they've been shut down and allowed the Titans offense the ultimate luxury in the NFL of saying, hey, if you score 20 points in regulation, you're going to win every game. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, Director of Published Content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We are also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. Happy Victory Saturday. That was supposed to be a Victory Friday, uh, but here we are. Better late than never. I'm joined, as always, by producer JT. JT, how are you? Happy weekend. I'm good. Happy weekend. Happy Victory Saturday. You know, we were talking before this. Easton, if you were ever to become a uh, host of a morning news sports news show that would just never happen that is yeah i would i wouldn't become we were talking about uh, yeah we're recording this on friday morning or on saturday morning rather um and i just i i can't i could never be on get up where they have to get up for their production meetings at 4 a.m every day not my thing put me on with svp at like 1 a.m eastern time i can do it all day long i could do the late night radio i am such a night owl i am not a morning person in the slightest but we're here i'm here i've woken myself up enough to talk about the titans who had their best game of the year bar none in green bay on thursday night football and so we wanted to talk a little bit about that not a ton to talk about today i'm just going to get to some news and then the best bet gauntlet before our sunday full of nfl action going to be making some more money here on the show and i will be continuing to kill jt in our competition but that's beside the point i wanted to talk about a couple of things from this game, as well as going to have to address the Todd Downing situation briefly, and then we can get out of here for the weekend because we'll be back on Monday morning, first thing, regularly scheduled programming next week, Monday morning, Friday morning, both first thing in the morning, um, and with the Titans playing on Sunday again, we've got a normal schedule, so that's exciting. already have some plans, some fun games for next week, some potential guests, James Foster Friday, back next Friday, so a lot of awesome regular things for you next weekend but first let's talk about this titans team in green bay fantastic game um you know what actually i'm gonna put a pause on talking about the titans in green bay let me just address the todd downing situation briefly and then we can move on to what i really want to talk about which is the titans of course it's been uh talked about for the last 24 hours or more the todd downing situation uh i guess todd just realized that he was about to get his first positive pub in the press uh this week in his maybe entire career from a fantastic game that he coached. And he just said, I cannot allow that to happen. And so he made the horrible ill-advised decision to drive home late, uh, really early Friday morning after the Titans got back around 4 a.m. A little hammered, had a little too much to drink on the team plane back and uh, got arrested for speeding and got a driving under the influence citation. He's not necessarily going to be punished by the team or the league. We don't know that yet. The league did. Uncle Uncle Raj, Roger Goodell, put out a lengthy statement just hours after the news of Todd Downing's arrest came out. And this was sent to all of the NFL ball clubs. He said, quote, in light of recent events, clubs are reminded that league policy prohibits alcoholic beverages, including beer, in the locker rooms, practice, or office facilities, or while traveling on team buses or planes at any time during the preseason, regular season, or postseason. This applies to all players, coaches, club personnel, and guests traveling with your team. This policy has been in place for many years, 
making alcohol available at club facilities or while traveling creates significant and unnecessary risks to the league, its players, coaches, and others. Violations of this important policy will be taken seriously and will result in significant discipline. Each club should ensure that its travel arrangements do not include providing alcohol services at any time and should also take appropriate steps to confirm that alcohol, whether beer or any other alcoholic beverage, is not available at its facility. Please direct all further questions on this subject to Management Council of Football Operations. So ultimately, what this reads as is just a very stern warning. And I think that is all that's going to come from the league, at least, on the Todd, on the Todd Downing incident, which makes sense to me. Downing's never been in trouble, and luckily nobody got hurt. The league knew that it would be hypocritical of them to smack the Titans for this when their rule had gotten really lax in recent months and years. So now, no more warnings. This is their warning to everybody that, hey, we're about to crack back down on this. The NFL put themselves in this weak position on this issue because they were allowing teams like the Vikings and the Commanders in the past couple weeks on social media to post people clearly and obviously drinking in celebratory fashion on the team plane after a win. So this is something that is gone kind of unspoken. It's a rule that's been broken because people have been responsible enough with it. I mean, Todd Downing really is like when your teacher puts out a bowl of candy at Halloween and tries to let everybody just munch on it for the month of October. And that one kid just can't keep his grubby little paws out of the bucket. So it has to go back behind the teacher's desks and you have to ask for it like that. Todd Downing, we can't have nice things when one person ruins it for everybody. And Todd Downing is that kid. He ruined it for everybody else, um, unfortunately. And, and he made a really dumb decision. I mean, look, all NFL players, coaches, personnel have access to prepaid Uber and or Lyft accounts at their disposal at any time. He could have gotten a, a ride home for free. He chose not to. And he made a really, really stupid, irresponsible, ridiculous, unprofessional, unacceptable decision. I'll get all of the grandstanding posturing words out of the way those things are reality he made a really bad decision i'm not here to preach on on that um i i know that very good people make bad mistakes i've i've made many mistakes i'm going to make many more um and i think ultimately this won't be a big deal i think the titans will kind of sweep it under the rug their precedent with this goes back to isaiah wilson when he got a dui when he was on the team and they really didn't do anything about it i don't think with todd downing they're going to do anything about it either Maybe they make a small example of him considering he is a higher ranking coach on a team that is supposed to be in a leadership position and perhaps they suspend him for a game or two, in which case they have Tim Kelly waiting in the wings. That would certainly be interesting to see what Tim Kelly would do if put in that position, because at the moment, again, we still don't really know what exactly it is you do here, Tim Kelly, but that is all I have to say on that. NFL put themselves in a bad position. You had Taylor Heineke literally just smashing a whole case of Bush light on the plane less than five days ago now. Um, and the NFL didn't do anything about it. I believe the commanders actually came out after all of this happened on Friday and disciplined said players that posted that on social media internally, but the entire league going to start cracking back down on the alcohol. Todd Downing made a dumb decision. The Titans are going to move on. I think the league is going to move on. So we're going to move on. And we're going to talk about the Titans who played a phenomenal game in green Bay, the best game, of the year for them. Before we talk about the Titans specifically, I wanted to mention that the Packers had not a great game. And by the Packers, I mean, Aaron Rodgers. I'm not sure I've seen him look that bad in a game that I've watched start to finish JT. Have you ever seen Aaron Rodgers look so off? 
No, it, I have I have not either. But I think also it really just goes to show that this entire Packers offense is just off. I think a lot of it falls on Aaron Rodgers, but I'm not going to sit here and say every time they cut to Aaron Rodgers throwing his hands up, like, what was that? It, it, it falls on him to lead them, but it also falls on those receivers because half those throws he was throwing, there was nobody around. And it seems like just the communication was mm. not there. Um, so I'm yes. sure that's certainly the case in some of, in some of those cases, but I also think, I mean, according to his own words after the game, he just, with his thumb injury that he continues to have to nurse, he's not gripping the ball. Well, he's not throwing the ball well, and he's not placing it where he wants to, but one receiver I will say is doing their job right now is Christian Watson. Cause Holy cow. He went from having no touchdowns on the year and being kind of a disappointment as a rookie receiver to, and that was what nine, nine or 10 days ago. Um, he now leads rookie receivers in receiving touchdowns with five, five and two games. I believe he broke a NFL or broke or tied an NFL record for most touchdowns by a rookie in their first two or in a two game span. He's got five touchdown catches on his first 16 career receptions. He's only got 16 catches. Five of them were for touchdowns. It's a pretty good clip. The, uh, the interesting stat of the day here is that, there are only two players in the NFL since the year 2000 with five or more receiving touchdowns on 20 or less receptions. One of them is Christian Watson, five touchdowns on 16 receptions. The other Titans head coach, Mike Vrabel, 10 receptions, 10 receiving touchdowns in his career as a player, which is hilarious. And I didn't know that he was such an efficient receiver. Of course he played linebacker and was a pass rusher primarily on the defense, but they had him come in in specific roles on the offense, and clearly he was a weapon because he was every single time they threw to him in the NFL, it was for a touchdown, 10 for 10. Really funny that that's the numbers there. Um, another interesting thing on the Packers, the Aaron Rodgers thing is a problem at this point. I mean, he went from being back-to-back -back MVP in two consecutive seasons to now he's got 16 straight games. That's a full old season, almost a full new season with 300 yards or less this is aaron Rodgers, the gunslinger mvp of the league one of the best if not the best passers in league history not doing a great job racking up the passing yards and uh, i think that's a, just a reflection on how things have been going downhill in green bay let's talk about how things are going uphill in tennessee i wanted to talk first about the breakout player of the game Traylon burks i put out a poll early thursday morning asking what is the most likely titans outcome today the options were a back-to-back -back NWI game, a Traylon Burks breakout game, or a Chigakonkwo breakout game. For those that were betting along with JT and I on Twitter, we wished that it was a Chig breakout game because, uh, man, two tight end touchdowns in this game, both the Austin Hooper and not Chig. Heartbreaking. Tough. Heartbreaking. Tough, tough uh, stuff. Yes, it, it, was, it was a tough watch. But other than that, the uh, correct answer to that poll was Traylon Burks, and it was always Traylon Burks. This was the Burks breakout game. He had over 100 yards for, his, for, for the first time in his career, the second week in a row that the Titans have had a 100-plus-yard receiver. Mike Vrabel on trail and Burks after the game, some of his biggest praise for Burks all year long, and we've been harping on this, how for some reason Vrabel, for tough love reasons, I suppose, in press conferences, has been very reluctant to praise his rookie receiver. He got the closest that I've heard him to praising him, with this quote after the game, he said, quote, I think he's building a lot of trust in who we are. I think he realizes this is a very unforgiving league 
if you are not prepared mentally and physically. There were some mistakes in the week, but we went out there and corrected them. So that's positive on Burks. And of course, he looked the best he's looked by far in this game. He uh, had uh, the moment of the week at the very end of the game with a bomb pass to him right before the two-minute warning. Nearly went in for a touchdown and dragged Jair Alexander all the way into the end zone. Really wish that he had because it would have been a pretty epic moment and would have run up the scoreboard for the Titans and made it look even better. But he dragged Jair Alexander, what, 10 yards down the field inside the five-yard line and then got up and told Jair, too small. Jair, you're too small which was an epic, uh, you you want you want your wide receivers to have a little dog in them like that. You want them to have a little diva in them. And that was um, the usually quiet and reserved Traylon Burke showing that he's got that dog in him. So that was a good sign. Really, the only negatives in this game were that Christian Fulton played one of his worst games that we've seen him play. Both of the Packers touchdowns, receiving touchdowns, were attributed to him. And so he got dinged on that front. Danico Autry and Tier Tart both also went down with Tart. He went down, came back into the game, then went down briefly again. Looked like he was grabbing his hamstring. May have been a cramp thing, may have been a tweak thing. Not sure. He seemed to be okay after the game, and he's a guy that I wouldn't expect to be all that concerned about going forward. With Autry, according to head coach Mike Vrabel in his press conference on Friday, sounds like the Titans really dodged a bullet with him. He went out with a knee injury, was questionable but then was carted back to the locker room and did not return, I don't believe. He went down with the knee. They've not been more specific about what that knee is yet, but they did say that we uh, we got lucky, that they got, Mike Rabel said that we got lucky on Danico Autry's knee injury and that they expect him to be out for a couple of weeks, but for it not to be a season-ending thing. So that is, or he didn't say a couple of weeks. He said some time. I translated that to a couple of weeks, um, but not a season-ending thing. So that's great news for the Titans' leading sacker. The other bad news, just on the general injury front, is the fact that now in the past two games, really technically two weeks, but in the in the past, you know, in a five-day stretch for the Titans, they have this list of defensive starters that didn't have to miss time due to injury. Kevin Byard, Roger McCreary, end of list. Nine of the 11 defensive starters have had to miss time in the last two weeks due to injury, which is astonishing because this Titans defense, despite that, has still not given up more than 17 points in regulation since week three. They've been shut down and allowed the Titans offense the ultimate luxury in the NFL of saying, hey, if you score 20 points in regulation, you're going to win every game. And that's what they have nearly done. They have gone uh, seven and one in their last eight Ever since their 0-2 start, they've gone 7-1, and and that one was with a backup in Arrowhead against the Chiefs, in which they took them, to, took them to overtime and probably should have won that game. If they had Ryan Tannehill, I believe they would have won that game. Nonetheless, really, really impressive two-month block for the Titans, who continue to roll. Ryan Tannehill, we've got to give him some love. This was his best game that we've seen him play this year, and it's not remotely close. I thinking back to last year, think this may be the best game we've seen him play in two years. He looked phenomenal out there. This was his first 300 plus uh, passing yard game in something like 20 plus games. Uh, it's been since two years ago that he had a 300 plus yard game and he looked really, really good since week seven, 2019, which is when Ryan Tannehill took over as the Titan starter. Here's the list of NFL quarterbacks by wins since that mark. Patrick Mahomes leads the leads the league since that mid 
point of 2019 with 40 wins. Then, then Aaron Rodgers, who the Titans just defeated with 38 wins. And then in third, tied is Josh Allen and Ryan Tannehill with 36 wins apiece. Ryan Tannehill continues to, in the regular season, be a top 10 quarterback in the league. Last year, he kind of got away with away from that, had a rough year with some bad weapons and bad coordination and bad pass protection. All kind of was a terrible recipe for a guy that needs some supporting cast around him, and he had a bad year. But outside of last year, he has consistently in the regular season been a top 10 quarterback in the league for the Titans, and he certainly looked like it in this game. It's kind of a Freaky Friday thing. It looked like Tannehill and Rodgers had switched games. Tannehill looked really, really good. And not only did he look good, the advanced numbers on him are even better than the surface level numbers as well as the eye test here. Tannehill, this was an article, by the way, that that came from CBS from writer Jordan Dahani, um, just to give some credit. But he talked about some of these advanced analytics on Tannehill's game. On the surface, he went 22 of 27 for 333 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception in this game. His 333-yard passing mark was a season high, as was the 81.48% completion percentage. That's a ridiculous completion percentage, by the way. Meanwhile, his two passing touchdowns tied a season high for him. It was his best outing of 2022, but the advanced statistics surrounding Tannehill on Thursday night are even better per next gen stats. He completed plus 20% of his passes over expected. So his CPOE over expected passing was a plus 20% outlandish. It's the highest CPOE in a game over the past three seasons of with minimum of 25 attempts the past three years, the highest over completion over expected completion percentage of the last three years, he also earned a 97 next gen score uh, for passing in this performance, the highest given to any quarterback this season. He also averaged 12.3 yards per attempt in this game versus the Packers, which ranks second best by a visiting quarterback in Lambeau field history with a minimum of 20 attempts, which is astonishing. Believe it or not, Aaron Rodgers has hit that 12.3 yards per attempt Mark just one time in his 117 career starts at Lambeau Field. Randall Cunningham is the leader, having recorded 13.8 yards per pass attempt in 1998. The uh, the Titans have won six straight with Tannehill as the starter, and he is now tied for the third most QB wins since week seven of 2019 when he took over as a starter. Only Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers have more wins in that span. So Tannehill look the best we've seen him I'd say in at least two years maybe three or four maybe the best we've seen him as a titan there were some saying that this was the best that they'd seen him look as a titan and while he's had some really good games and there's some other ones in there that are contending this one is certainly up there in my opinion he did a fantastic job the other guy I want to give some praise to is Mike Vrabel who is I mean not a surprise to anybody that listens to this show at this point but he is a fantastic fantastic coach since taking over in Tennessee, he has gone nine and seven, nine and seven, 11 and five, 12 and five, and now seven and three pending the second half of the season for the Titans. He's gone over his projected win total from Vegas each and every year. No team has more game has won more games as an underdog. He's won 21 as an underdog in his career with the Titans. And no team has a higher win percentage 
as an underdog than Vrabel's Titans, 55%. So as an underdog, you are a winning better betting on Vrabel. And if he's an underdog of a field goal or more, Mike Vrabel is now 21 and seven as a, as a three or more point underdog in his career. That's an auto bet. I mean, you, 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 ha- that's the kind of trend you have to, you have to bet Vrabel as a three or more point dog each and every time he is one until he proves to you that that's not who he is anymore, because that is free money. Um, so Mike Vrabel, fantastic. Ryan Tannehill, fantastic. The Titans, fantastic. Todd Downing, fantastic. Until he made a really, really poor decision. That is all I have today. Um, that was my basic thoughts from the game. Everything went great. Everything went well. We'll have way, way more analysis from guests and, and myself during the week um, on Monday and on Friday. But for now, let's get to producer JT with the news. Let's hop right into some Titans news today, and we'll just go back to some quick hits, starting with the quarterback that we just talked about, Ryan Tannehill, who continues to quietly sneak his name into that top 10 QB conversation year after year, with this one being no exception. Let's talk about his PFF grades since 2019 joining that team. A lot of names that we already just kind of named off here, but his PFF offensive grade only ranks behind three other quarterbacks being Rodgers, Brady, and Mahomes since 2019. He's right up there with Allen, and then his EPA per play, also up there with those same four or five quarterbacks, Mahomes, Rodgers, Tannehill, and Josh Allen. Just goes to show you that Tannehill continues to get it done despite the offensive woes. Yeah, no, it's, it's astonishing. Since joining the Titans, Tannehill, fourth in the league, Offensive grade from PFF and third in the league EPA per play. Again, continues to be one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league. And he has had some bad spots like the Bengals game in the playoffs last year in big moments that have dinged his reputation more than is fair. And he's doing this despite the lack of help on the offensive front. And this Thursday night game was really no exception. Let's talk about some PFF grades for this offensive line. And we're going to talk about the run block grades here. Dennis Daly allowed two sacks and one hurry for a 50.4 grade. Dylan. Had a boy double D. Dylan with a 40.3 <laughs> grade filling in there. Brewer with one hurry had a 53.7 grade. Davis with uh, no sacks or hurries allowed. Good game for him, I would say. Had a 55.3 grade there. And then Nicholas Petit Friere allowed one hit and two hurries and had the best grade on the day with a 69.9. So he continues his development and looks like he will be very good on that offensive line for the future. Yeah, he's their long-term right right tackle. Uh, NPF continues to improve in the run game, which is what the Titans value, of course. He is currently i think the best lineman the titans have with ben jones coming back he's right up there as well but with a 69.9 in the run the run uh block run blocking grade goodness can't speak this morning the run blocking grade of 69.9 by far the highest on the team in this game by far the lowest on the team for run blocking dylan raiden's at left guard but look at these guard numbers raiden's zero sacks allowed zero pressures allowed and Davis, zero pressures allowed. Dylan and Davis, the guard combo, pitched an absolute shutout in this game. Not to mention, in the middle, filling in for Ben Jones at center, Aaron Brewer, only one rush, uh, only one pressure allowed, one hurry allowed. 
that interior three pitched a near shutout in this game. And I think that there's a very good chance that in the near future, and I'm not trying to push Ben Jones out of town. He can stay as long as he wants. He's continuing to be one of the best centers in the league. But I think this is the Titans have for a while now telegraphed the, the idea that Aaron Brewer is who they have in mind for the next center. With Dylan Raidens on the roster and clearly a guard at this point, I think that there's a decent chance that he could be their idea for a potential long-term left guard. And with Davis continuing to play well and just now being at the end of his rookie contract needing to be re-upped this offseason, I could see the Dylan Brewer-Davis interior trio being the lock for the long term. And with MPF working out so well at right tackle, really Dylan Brewer-Davis-NPF from left to right, excluding your left tackle, could be the long-term next five years offensive line situation for the Titans, which in terms of offensive line situations this team has had, not half bad. Not half bad. And then all that leaves you is a big question mark at left tackle, of course, the most important position on the line. They could go out and get a guy in free agency and overpay for just a lockdown left tackle to have another cornerstone there. Of course, we don't expect Taylor Wan to be back in that role. They could draft one. Titans fans probably don't want them to do that because they have been so bad at drafting not just tackles, but left tackles in, in particular. Right tackle, they nailed it with MPF, so good job to the Titans. But I think that as long as these guys stay around this team, that's what the future of this offensive line is going to look like. Yeah, definitely some hope there on the offensive line. Also, hope for some new weapons emerging through the air, most notably right. with that breakout game and the return of Traylon Burks. As Mike Hernan pointed out uh, a couple days ago, Traylon Burks ranks 15th amongst all qualifying wide receivers in yards per route run with a 2.08. He's only second behind Chris Olave among the 2022 rookie class. Of course, there are a couple names out there that uh, came out of this draft seeming like they might have been better options and looked better than Traylon Burks, but he is making a name for himself out of this class. Absolutely he is. And these are the underlying metrics that we kept pointing to and saying, this Titans team needs Traylon Burks and Kyle Phillips back so badly. Because if you look at the separation numbers, you look at the yards per route run, all of these underlying advanced metrics point to the fact that Traylon Burks is the best wide receiver on this team. Over two yards per route run is a fantastic mark. 15th in the league, second behind only Olave uh, in the rookie class. Like, this guy can get open and he can catch the ball. He just has to stay healthy and the Titans have to continue to scheme up touches for him. He's a schemed touches guy. I've not been super impressed with his yards after the catch ability. The Titans continue to try to get him the ball in space and let him just be an athlete. It's not worked out super well so far. It's not been a disaster, but it's not been what you want. I like that they continue to bang their head against that wall because they have faith in him as an athlete to figure it out at the NFL level. And we saw him be that guy in college, be the yards after catch guy, be the athlete in space that you didn't want to have the ball and have to contend with. They need to keep trying it and letting him figure that out because we've seen him capable of doing those things. JT, speaking of pass catchers, did you have another pass catcher friend of yours here that you want to talk about? We do. And me and Easton here on the show have been praying for a breakout game and we are going to continue to hope for it. It's going to happen. It is. But of course, Austin Hooper took the, took the show on Thursday night, but another one, Chiga Conquo. He has been compared already through his first 10 games to kind of what Jonu Smith has brought this team 
back when Jono Smith was rising up the depth chart for this Titans team. And let's just compare both their games here. In 2017, Jono Smith, through his first 10 games, had 18 receptions for 157 yards and two touchdowns, five of those going for first downs. And then in 2022, Cheek has eight receptions for 172 yards, a touchdown, and seven of those catches going for first downs. So if they just keep getting him a little bit more and more into this offense, I have no doubt that Shake can be one of the rising stars at the tight end position. Yep. First of all, Chig up to 21.5 yards per reception. Ridiculous. The Crazy. Titans have to force the ball to him more. He's been phenomenal when he's gotten the ball in his hands, and he has been a great yards after catch guy. This comparison to Johnny was one that we've been making since the draft. I think that it's an apt one. And I think that Chig is work, working out even faster than Janu did, frankly. With Chig, there is, before the end of this season, going to be a 100-plus yard game for him and a, a one-plus touchdown game, like a two-touchdown, 100-yard game for Chig, absolutely in the cards. Seven first downs. Only one of his catches didn't go for a first down so far this year. Only eight of them for 172 yards. Unreal. Chig has been great. They need to continue to scheme up touches for him. JT, is that it for the news? That is. All right, that is JT with the news, and that means we get to get to our final segment of the week and my favorite segment of the week. It's the Best Bet Gauntlet. We are back, baby, and I continue to rack up the wins. Here is our current standings, JT, lest you had forgotten. I am sitting at 26, 21, and 3. That is winning. And JT, after a rough week, down to 22, 24, and 4, but looking for a bounce back here. And you, good sir, get the first pick. So what is your first overall pick in the Week 11 Best Bet Gauntlet? Yeah, looking to bounce back here, and I'm going to blame your wedding as the reason why I oh, had yeah, a dismal 1-4 week. Of course, a lot going on there. But let's get back at it, and I'm feeling very good with my slate this week. And, of course, there's a lot of buzz about this game. And it's really hard to pick it, but I have to. I'm going to go with a home dog in the Vikings who pulled off a miracle win last week, and I think they're going to just be able to take care of business going into this week. I, I Against this Cowboys team, I'm not super excited about what they have going on. Of course, fantasy-wise or not, I'm a huge Tony Pollard believer. I get that Zeke is the heart and soul of that team, but I think him coming back into the fold here only makes that offense a little bit more murky, and I think they're not going to be able to run the ball as effectively as they have in the last couple of games. So give me the Vikings to come into home and make another statement win and build off last week with just an overall win. So I'm taking them plus one and a half. With my first pick of the week 11 best bet gauntlet, I'm going to be riding with an ugly one. Give me the Raiders getting three points on the road at Denver. This is a gross, gross corner TV matchup. I really just think the the Raiders are the more desperate team here. I think that this may be a new low point for the Denver Broncos. We saw the Raiders after last week. There's been a lot of hubbub in the media about how the Raiders are too cash poor to fire uh, their their new coach. And with McDaniels being there for the long term, that means Derek Carr is kind of on the hot seat. If this season continues to be an unmitigated disaster, somebody's going to have to pay the price. And you kind of saw Carr in his press conference after last week's game realize this could be the end for him. He got really emotional and kind of broke down. I think that this will be a bounce back spot for them. I think this team will fight for their QB, who they love and is a great leader of men, has proven that over the past couple of years through some serious turmoil with the Raiders. 
So I like them to win this game outright. Give me the Raiders plus three. My second pick, and you're not going to like this one, Easton, because you keep telling me not to do it. I Just like I you do. with the Jaguars. I do. I, I'm going to go back to the Chargers here. and Moron. This week, they're not going to give me the option to push like I, they do always when I pick them. This but once true. again, for some reason, when the, when the Chargers and the Chiefs play in prime time, it's always just closer than people think. It's That's always fair. by a touchdown. It's a shootout every time they play. And with at a line of five and a half, give me the Chargers at home in another home dog situation. All right, I like that one. With my second pick, I'm going to ride with the Moda City Kitties. Give me the Detroit Lions, another dog, plus three. They're on the road facing the G-Men this week in New York. I continue to not believe in the Giants. I believe in Brian Dable, and I believe in Saquon Barkley, but that's about the end of the list. And uh, I think that this is going to be a game that will be a shootout. I like the over in this game as well. Give me Detroit. I just like them. Uh, two wins in a row now. The Giants coming off the bye, but I don't really, again, I don't believe in them long term. I think the back half of the season will kind of come back down to earth. I think that starts now. I think the Lions continue to fight for Dan Campbell's job, get a third straight win for the first time. Who knows how long since the last time the Lions won three in a row. I think they do it here. Give me the Lions to win outright plus three. With my third pick, and this is going to be my most controversial one of the week. Oh, no, but I, buddy. But I do not care. Um, there's been a take circulating on the internet. whether It's not from, a take. It's a fact. It's a fact, I guess. It's a fact. It is a fact. It is a fact. <laughs> I, I'm not a believer of this fact. I am going to continue to believe that this will not continue. But Producer you, JT, fact denier. I'm a fact denier. But <laughs> it's been... Conspiratorial fact denier. It's been on Barstool. It's a little bit of a TikTok-y kind of fact here and a trend that has happened already this year. Teams, after beating the Carolina Panthers, are 0-9 in their next game. Regardless of if they have the pan- they win, they beat the Panthers, a bye, loss, beat the Panthers, lose the next week. It's happened nine times now. The nine teams that have beaten the Panthers <laughs> have lost afterwards. And I think you, if you know, if you know who the Panthers played last, I think you know where this is going. I'm going with the Cincinnati Bengals here in this spot to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm gonna take the, I'm gonna take their line here at minus three and a half. Look, you're gonna eat the hook too. I'm Goodness. going to eat the hook Goodness. because I believe in Joey B and what they have going on here. I think last time they played him, Joey B had probably one of his worst games he's ever had in the sure. start of the season. I think when they come back into town here, I think it's going to be a lot different. I think now that Kenny Pickett's under the helm, I think he still continues to have a little bit of success, but I don't know how much more he can have here in this spot against a division rival, very big rivalry game also, by the way, going into Pittsburgh. I love Cincinnati here at minus three and a half. I'm going to let you write on that one. I can't say that I love that bet. <laughs> with my with my third overall pick of the Week 11 best bet, Gauntlet, give me the Saints. Minus two and a half. They're facing the L.A. Rams, who are the dumpster fire of the league. I'm not sure there's a team in the league right now more depressing to watch than the L.A. Rams. On offense, they have a beat-up Matthew Stafford, and that is all. That is the end of the list of plus players on offense with Cooper Cup out now. I guess you could count Van Jefferson, by the way, Brentwood native Van Jefferson. I watched him play in high school. He killed my high school football team and was a stud. But uh, he's back, and I guess he's the only other plus player on the team right now offensively. They're just a dumpster fire. Personnel, 
coaching right now has not been all that great. Skill player, like it's just a nightmare. And while the Saints also aren't in a great boat, the quarterback situation continues to be weird. They keep rolling with Andy Dalton instead of Jameis Winston, not even giving him a chance, or Taysom Hill for that matter. Dalton continues to turn, turn the ball over and lose games that they do not care, I guess. So they're going to keep rolling with him. I just like their personnel way better. I think that they have the potential to bounce back here because they have the horses to do it. I don't think the Rams do. I think the Rams continue to tank, tank, tank until further notice. Give me the Saints to win outright by a field goal or more, minus two and a half. With my fourth pick here and our first head-to-head of the week, because we always mm. have to have one, you know? We got two! Listen, if you're a longtime listener of the show, you will know that back in the days of old, in week three or four or so, I was vehemently against Commander Carson and the commies over there. You were However, Commander Carson's biggest, biggest hater, man. I biggest was his hater. biggest hater. However, Heingoat, the crusher of bush lattes, has arrived, <laughs> and he is here to stay, as Ron Rivera said earlier this week. And they're going to play a team in the Houston Texans that I think is just the lesser team here. Give me the Commanders minus three to go in here and win by at least a touchdown. That's right. The Texans are the lesser team, but it doesn't matter. They're going to win this game outright. Give me, with my fourth pick, first head-to-head pick, the Houston Texans plus three. Here's the reasoning. Taylor Heineke has been the definition of up and down for the the commanders. He's been very good at times, and he's been very bad at times. He's currently at 500 as a starter. I believe he's 9-9 with the commanders. He just won one, so it's time to lose one. And I just have to block out the noise of a big primetime win by the commanders last week against the best team in terms of record in the league. I have to block that out and trust my gut, trust my numbers here, and the numbers tell me that Houston is the way to go here in a buy low spot, sell high on the commanders. I love Taylor Heineke. I think the commanders are a fun and scrappy team to watch, but I think Houston runs the ball effectively against them here. I also think that we're due for a sneaky, impressive Davis Mills performance. Texans coming off of their, no, not coming off their buy, coming off of, who did they 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 played the Giants. The Giants. They played the Giants last in a game that, that's right, in a game that they really outplayed the Giants, just couldn't score in the red zone. I think that that gets fixed. I think that we have a big game from uh, Damian Pierce and from uh, Nico Collins and some of these guys that are sneaky good offensive players for them. So give me, not a popular one, but give me the Texans to win outright in that game. I like them as a dog to at least cover plus three. With our last pick in our second head-to-head of the week here, I'm taking the Bears plus three on this one, and Easton, you're taking the Falcons on this one. I'll go first and tell you why I like the Bears in this one. This feels like a very Falcony Falcons, the Falcon ball away game right here. (laughs) I think Justin Field is getting it done on the ground and is just clicking a little bit better than Mariota can get the Falcons offense to click right now. I also think that it's going to be very difficult for this Atlanta Falcons defense to stop them because the Falcons have been quietly pretty impressive against the pass this year. However, Justin Fields, as we know, it's not, it's, not, it's not really his strong suit currently in the league. Give me the yeah. Bears to kind of run away with this one, I think, a little bit. Okay. I'm going to say that. Maybe a take here. Um, give me them to run away this one going into Atlanta. I love them plus three. 
All right, I like the Falcons minus three. And he, he, uh, once again, that's a very square pick by you, JT. Very, very public yeah. pick. Okay. Um, right. two, two public picks in a row here. I, I'm fading the noise once again. The Bears' Justin Fields hype has gotten out of control. And I get it, understandably so. The Bears, while being a bad team, now have a very good quarterback, it seems. And he's been electric in a couple weeks in a row now. It's fun. It's fun. It's exciting. And it's easy to get hyped up for the Bears. However, they continue to be a bad team. And they continue, despite Justin Fields playing so well, to lose. Even if he plays well, they lose. And I think the Falcons uh, can win despite their quarterback playing badly, which is the difference here. I like the Falcons in a fade the noise in the Bears spot here. Give me the Falcons minus three to win by more than a field goal. It's a big one, I know, but that's what I'm going to roll with. And that's our Week 11 Best Bet Gauntlet Draft. To recap, I have three dogs, the Raiders plus three, the Texans plus three, and the Motor City Kitties Detroit Lions plus three. That's a lot of room for pushing there. I'm just not realizing. <laughs> but a uh, couple, three field goal dogs that I needed to cover and, and or win outright. And then I've got the Saints minus two and a half as a home favorite and the Falcons minus three as a home favorite. JT has three dogs as well. The Vikings plus one and a half, the Bears plus three, the Chargers plus five and a half. And then he's going with the Commanders favored by three and the Bengals favored by three and a half. And that is our best bet gauntlet for week 11. That is also the end of our week 11 programming, a three show week before we get out of here on a shorter than usual episode a couple of things to sell for you and i won't go too long into it but hey if you're a local business that you're looking to advertise on this show or one of our other broadway sports media podcasts or on broadwaysportsmedia.com please reach out to us via email on the website at broadwaysportsmedia.com or via in instagram or twitter or facebook or whatever any social media reach out to us um, and we would love to talk to you about advertising potential we've got thousands of listeners tens of thousands of readers hundreds of thousands of social media impressions that we would love for you to be able to capitalize on and we could advertise with you and it would help us keep the lights on and build this company and give y'all more content which is what we aim to do also if you did not know this is a show that is in video form now so you can watch it on youtube go over to broadway sports media youtube uh just search broadway sports media on youtube and you'll find the page you can check out this show in its video form and see our gorgeous faces you can see the football and other f-words podcast in video form as well as the mike herndon show in video form on the youtube page and then lastly if you're not a well second to lastly if you're not a broadway insider please go in and become one it helps us keep the lights on and continue to give you more content and it gives you access to all of our best content it's all the stuff behind the paywall, the Mike Herndon show, premium articles, early access articles, future meetups that we want to plan in the offseason. A lot of fun things, uh, fantasy games, all these awesome things for you for the price of a trip to Starbucks each month. Very affordable. Go to broadwaysportsmedia.com and use code insider or code annual to get a discount on your sign up. And then finally, if you have not subscribed to the show, wherever you get the good podcasts, whether it's Spotify or Apple or elsewhere, Please subscribe. What are you doing listening to podcasts a la carte like this? It's ridiculous. You got to subscribe. Helps us a lot with more subscribers to get more downloads and numbers and blah, blah, blah. All these things are important to us. But what's even more important to us than subscribers is rating and reviewing the show. No new rates or reviews, JT. So big sad since the last time we came on the show. We need some ratings and some reviews. It literally takes you less than 10 seconds to leave a five-star rating. And then if you want to leave a review, you can type whatever you want. If you leave your Twitter handle in there, We'll give you a shout out and a follow from all of our accounts, the show account and both of our personal accounts. 
We would love to interact with you guys. If you're a loyal listener of the show on social media, so throw your Twitter handle in there, say whatever you want, leave us feedback, which is a gift. We appreciate your feedback. If you love something we do and we want to see it more, tell us if you hate it and you never want to see it again, tell us. We may or may not listen to you, but it can't help to tell us. And we really appreciate all of your potential feedback. Please, please, please actually leave a review for the first time in your podcast listening career. It will help us tremendously. All right, that's all. All of the selling in one fell swoop. JT, uh, I will see you on Monday. Uh, For JT and I, this has been the Hot Read Podcast. Enjoy a Titans stress-free Sunday of football. We will talk to you back on a regular schedule. First thing, Monday morning when you wake up, the show will be available in a recap on Sunday and looking ahead to the Titans hosting a big rematch game with the Bengals coming to town next Sunday in Week 12. Until then, I'm Easton Freeze. This is the Hot Read Podcast. Talk to you later.